0: So let's begin talking about a, a couple of things and then we've got a, a short video to watch today as well and um, I trust will be helpful. Last week we, we took kind of a big overview of the, the creation of the entire universe, God's unlimited power demonstrated in his acts of creation. So what, what did God make the universe from? Nothing, yes. So the the Latin phrase uh, is ex nihilo. God created ex nihilo out of nothing. So nothing existed prior to God speaking. His creative, powerful word created. Uh, There was nothing that he combined together that was already there. There's nothing apart from himself. Genesis 1 is quite clear there. God's eternal An act creation brings time and space and matter into existence out of nothing. Certainly a supernatural act. This is why it's okay if the creation account doesn't always match up with current scientific consensus. We wouldn't expect it to. It's a miracle. Miracles defy natural law. Miracles are a suspension of those natural laws, so we, we don't feel bad, we don't apologize for the fact like, oh, well, there's a question I don't know how to answer. It's a miracle. It's, at some sense, unexplainable, because how we understand things from a natural point of view has been suspended in the miracle of creation. Last week, we also, the other main idea that we looked at primarily in your, your homework was the compatibility between an evolutionary view of the origin of the universe and a biblical creationist view. And what you discovered is they are not compatible at all. In fact, they teach quite opposite things. So today, we're going to refine some of those details by looking at the first four days of creation. And we'll continue that, obviously, next week. And and really, the, the whole point of today is how we can know that the days of the creation week are normal days, not long ages of time. In any language, words have multiple meanings. We, we know this. Uh, if you look up the word run in the dictionary, you will find in its verb form alone over 40 different definitions for just one small word like Run not to mention its use as a noun or as an adjective. So here's the example they give. If a woman said, I got to run in my stockings while I was running to the store where I had to run my eyes across the shelves to find what I was looking for. You would know exactly what she meant when she said that. She uses the same word in three different ways in one sentence, but you know exactly what's going on when she does so. So I'm gonna read a few passages of scripture to you the references are listed on your handout. And in each of them, you're going to hear the word day. And you're going to u- hear it used in different ways. And we'll talk about how, how do you determine how to understand that particular word. Genesis 35, 28. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. Well, that's referring to a past period of time. 180 years with the word day or days. It's the lifetime of Isaac, a specific length. Leviticus 9.1, on the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. Well, that's referring to a 24-hour period of time. It has the uh, what's called an ordinal number eight to indicate that it follows the previous seven days. So day means 24-hour period of time. Numbers eleven thirty-two, and the people rose all that day and all night and all the next day and gathered the quail. Well, there day refers to the daylight portion of a twenty-four hour period of time, day as in contrast to night. Jeremiah five eighteen, but even in those days declares the Lord, I will not make a full end of you. Referring to a future age, or a time period with no specific time frame in in those days somewhere to come. So you've got one word used in multiple ways in the Bible. So when it comes to Genesis 1, that uses the word day multiple times, how do we then understand what it means? So we'll watch the video first, then we'll walk through Genesis 1. Go ahead and hit play.
1: God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. But what does the Bible mean by day, yom in Hebrew? 24 hours or something else? An era, or millions of years, perhaps?
2: The, the, the key is the context around it. Yom is the uh, Hebrew word for day and uh, it's very much like the english word in its flexibility when i look at the the context there of genesis 1 uh, it looks just like a 24-hour day god is setting up just like he does everywhere else in genesis 1. he is setting up the world as we know it today as a matter of fact in the creation god specifies each day at its conclusion that it was evening and morning which consisted of a day and so when i see phrases like evening and morning the first day and so forth god is simply structuring days just like we see them today
1: the word yom or day comes up often in the bible in exodus chapter 20 for example the text says that in six days the lord made the heavens and the earth
2: let me read it to you right out of the book of Shemot, sometimes known as exodus in the torah in english it says remember the sabbath day to sanctify it Six days shall you work and accomplish all your work, but the seventh day is Sabbath to Hashem your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your slave, your maidservant, your animal, and your convert within your gates. For in six days, Hashem made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. There's really little controversy about what the word day means when you get outside of Genesis one. When you look at a passage like that, it it seems as if it's it's almost certain that it's a six-day, 24-hour day that's being talked about there.
3: These words were actually written by the very finger of God on tablets of stone you know we say the bible is the word of god that's true and god moved men by his spirit to write his words and so on but exodus twenty and the verse in six days the lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested on the seventh day and blessed the Sabbath day and commanded us to keep it holy and so on that was written by the very finger of god if we have a figurative day in the
2: creation account then the fourth commandment does not make any sense
1: how did Jesus understand the creation account? Did he believe that the days of creation were long eras or 24
3: hour days? the book of Mark, Jesus actually says he made the male and female from the beginning. That doesn't make any sense if the beginning was billions of years before he made the male and female. It only makes sense in the context of the creation week being a literal creation week of literal days.
2: How we read Hebrew, I mean, it just reads very naturally as a literal six-day period. That's the way people have read this passage for centuries. Starting around the late 1700s, that's where you see people wondering about how long the day is. And again, that's going along with the Enlightenment age, the age of reason, we now need to Uh, reason is now the uh, chief authority, not God, not his word.
1: If the days of creation describe long eras of time before the appearance of humans, then death and suffering appear long before man sinned against God.
3: When you look at the fossil record, it's full of death, uh, disease, for instance, Uh, There's evidence of cancer in the dinosaur bones in the fossil record. There's evidence of a brain tumor in uh, a dinosaur skeleton. Uh, You see evidence of thorns supposedly 430 million years old uh, there in the the fossil record and so on. And if you're going to say all that existed before sin, we've got a major problem. First of all, at the end of the sixth day of creation, God said everything was very good.
2: There are some serious theological implications if the earth is, let's say, millions, billions of years old, and that we have death before the fall. Because the problem's going to be with the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, for by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. I mean, that's the teaching of the Apostle. So it seems as if death is part of the curse.
1: The Bible begins with Genesis, and it builds upon the teachings introduced there. Long ages would undermine the basic teachings of Christianity.
3: When you understand that genesis 1 to 11 is actually foundational to the whole of the rest of the bible and all of our doctrines you start to recognize if you can destroy genesis 1 to 11 actually undermine the foundation of every single biblical doctrine of theology and that's really what's happened uh, in in our world in this in this modern era of history
2: to be honest with you if the first 11 chapters are not true history then christianity collapses basically if you undermine genesis 1 through 11 you are undermining the entire word of god
3: the issues of the age of the earth, the issues of millions of years and, and, and versus thousands of years, the, the issue in regard to the meaning of the uh, word day in Genesis and so on, it's all related to the fundamental issue of biblical authority. Do we take God at his word or do we take man's fallible ideas about the past and add them into the Bible and reinterpret the clear meaning of Scripture?
0: so on the one hand it feels a little ridiculous that we have to have videos that look like they're created in the 90s right that was super like throwback um that we have to have videos and entire lessons on the word day means day doesn't that feel a little weird to you but at the same time because the word can be used in multiple ways we have to understand grammar we have to understand the usage of a word in its context we have to understand how to read the text how to understand it correctly the less we, we get it wrong because there are dire consequences to getting it wrong. This is why it matters that we, we read this book correctly, interpret it correctly. Is it literal? Is it figurative? What, what are we talking about? So the Hebrew word yom, day, has the different uses, even in, in the scriptures. So turn to Genesis 1 if you haven't already. We've got some verses there. I just want you to look at them for a second. Uh, Verse 5, verse 8, verse 13, 19, 23, and 31. And here's the issue. When it says day, when it uses that word yom, what does it mean? And how do we know what it means? So I'll, I'll give you a minute. Read those verses. And then I've got a couple questions for you. So, we're obviously making the case that the word day means a 24 hour period of time when it's used in Genesis chapter 1. What elements in the text show to you that that's the case? Numbers
3: 1 through 5, 1 through 6.
0: Yes, the first day, the second day, the third day. So, there's an ordinal number attached to it. How else do we know from the text? morning and evening. Yeah, no, nobody debates the usage of that. Morning and e- So there are clues in the text itself that help us to understand that's what this word means. Uh, how can there be an evening and a morning if that day is a thousand years? Again, this is where it comes from. You know, uh, the apostle Peter uses this phrase and says, because to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. So people will look back, oh, well, then that means that's what Genesis 1 says. So God didn't create the universe in six days. It was 6,000 years. Here's the problem with that. Peter is using hyperbole. It's an extreme statement to help us understand God doesn't understand time like you understand time. He's outside of it. It is relative to him in a way that it's, it's not relative to us. We live by seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years and decades and centuries. We, we live by this reality of time. God does not live by that reality. So we cannot take what Peter says and implant it into Genesis 1. That's not how this works. That's an inappropriate way of reading the text. Is there anything in Genesis 1 that would suggest that the author intended you as the reader to understand the word day as meaning something other than a 24-hour period of time. Is there anything there? No, there's nothing at all. There's no hint in the text. There's no weird usage of other phrases. Uh, the absence of that and the presence of things like the ordinal numbers, evening and morning points quite clearly to the fact that it's 24 hour periods of time. Listen, if you can believe in a God who raises the dead, you can believe in a God who created everything in six days. It's okay. You're not unscientific when you do that. If you believe in a God who can do miracles, you can believe in a God who can create in six 24-hour periods of time. It's okay. Uh, so really, there, there's no disputing of the meaning of the word day, the Hebrew word yom, Anywhere outside of Genesis chapter 1. No one suggests that Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for 3,000 years. You've never heard anyone say that, have you? It's three days. You've never heard that the Israelites marched around the city of Jericho for 7,000 years. It's only seven days that they marched around Jericho It's only in Genesis 1 where the word day is questioned. Why do you think that is? Could it be there's an agenda with that of trying to fit millions or billions of years into the history of the universe? To do that, you have to reinterpret Genesis 1 that no one in history did until the 18th century no one, until they refer to it the age of reason, the enlightenment, when human beings decided we were smarter than God and decided, well, that's not reasonable to believe that God could create in six 24-hour periods of time. Reason would dictate that it's millions or billions of years. Well, good job in making your intellect the interpreter of God's word. Probably not ground you want to stand on. Probably you don't want to stand before God and say, I am the authority over your word. So what theological dangers are there if we reinterpret Genesis 1 and say, this is long periods of time. It's a day's a thousand years or a million years or a billion years. What are the theological implications of that? Throw them out. Huh? I still can't hear you. You're just wrong. Well, yeah, that's very black and white. Yeah, that's, you know, I like that. I'm glad my bluntness is, you know, infecting the rest of the church. That's that's good. What other uh, theological dangers are inherent in that? Yeah, yeah, you have to, that influences how you understand science and archaeology and what's going on in the fossil record and how do you explain these things? What else? You have to work a really long time before you get to a Sabbath day. Yeah, um, so, good point. You're, you've jumped ahead in my notes, so good for you. Uh, so, Because you, you can see where we're going because they dealt with it in the video, Exodus 20. Um, it's, it's the 10 Commandments in Exodus 20. Again, as Ken Ham said, etched by God himself into the tablets. So God wrote that, That that's significant. So the Lord created in six days, and declared that you should rest on the 7th. Well, it really blows up your view of the Sabbath if you believe a day is a 1,000 years or more. So before you get a day off, Scott, 6,000 years you got to put in. So good luck with that. Good luck making it to your Sabbath. Uh, it, does, it does give you an appropriate amount of time to do a sermon. It, it does. Um, those of us who preach long, um, maybe, maybe we need that time. Uh, and, and that's okay. So... Um, it, it, you, you have to then understand Exodus 20 is different. That's not really what it means. So the Lord didn't really set aside the seventh day. There's nothing about it. So that means you don't get a weekend anymore and you should be at work right now. Bye. <laughs> Nobody's running for the door. Hmm. Yeah, convenient uh, how that works. It just doesn't make sense. The, the most important they brought in the video, Romans chapter five. If you reinterpret Genesis one, then the apostle Paul was wrong in Romans five by declaring death came as a result of sin. Because if there's millions and billions of years before Genesis three, where Adam and Eve sin, you have to discount the entire New Testament and all of its theology. Because there was death and disease and suffering for millions of years before sin even entered the picture. So do you understand the implications here? If you say Genesis 1 to 11 is poetry, or it's metaphorical, or it's figurative, or it's just song lyrics, everything else goes away. Everything goes away. The faith falls apart and you should go home. You don't have to go to work. You can go home. Because your faith stands on no foundation whatsoever, and it's all a figment of our imagination. That's a fact. Uh, so that's scary. You should, you should be fearful of that. Uh, it, it's the same argument Paul makes in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, that if the resurrection isn't true, go home. Let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's a that's should be your worldview. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, because there is no hope for you whatsoever. And again, if you can believe in a God who raises the dead, you can believe in a God who speaks the universe into existence in six 24-hour periods of time. It is not illogical or unreasonable to expect that. So th- this discussion about what the word day means is really not on the perimeter of your Christian convictions. It's right at the core. This matters. And it matters greatly. It touches even to the very heart of the gospel, the gospel that saves you. Now again, we'll continue to to explore this and look at the the various days of of creation. You've got um, a lot of homework attached to your handout, You're Welcome, Uh, a a whole bunch. And you're gonna spend some time in Genesis 1. Uh, there's, There's a worksheet on the very back. You're just gonna walk through the specific days of creation, what happens on those days? Uh, what does the earth look like at that point? Again, you're just going to dwell in the text and ask some very pointed questions. What does it mean when it says there's an expanse in the sky? Uh, you know, how is that in other translations? What's going on there? The water separating from the water, when does light come into play? What's the source? Um, you're, you're going you're gonna to walk through the details of these first four days and see how it all begins to make sense. And what the text doesn't explicitly say, it certainly implies of, of how these things work and what, uh, you know, the, the one landmass that happens at creation that would have been utterly destroyed and reformed in a global flood and how that works. You're going to spend some time talking about seeds Everybody's favorite. Uh, What does it mean when the text tells us according to its kind? Um, And and you're going to just answer some questions about the implications of that. And it will directly impact um, different uh, evolutionary views. And can one species evolve into another? The answer is no, by the way. And uh, do things change over time? Absolutely. It's called microevolution. But macroevolution of one species evolving into another is absolutely no historical evidence anywhere, ever. Uh, it's all fabricated. Uh, where does the sun fit into all of this? You're going to talk about the stars and the galaxy and dry land and what what does all that mean? Um, and I, I've inserted into your homework just a lot of text, Uh from Answers in Genesis uh, that we've just copied and pasted over uh, for you. Uh, So it's not just questions to answer, but it's paragraphs to read. Uh, What's being taught here and many, most of the questions, you're going to be able to find the answers in the text provided for you. Uh, It's it's there, so you've, you've got the help. What are some objections to all of this that you've heard or people might give? What does that mean? How do you confront uh, those false views, how do you deal with the fact that people get really emotional when they talk about issues like this? They get, they get angry when they talk about issues like, why is that? Uh, why do people get so bent out of shape uh, when their views are challenged? Um, that's tough, isn't it? When views get challenged, um, when you're forced to admit, I was wrong the whole time. That's not easy on anyone's ego. Um, But again, what does it come down to? Who gets to win? You and your middle school science teacher or God and His Word? Who gets to win? We've already decided who gets to win. God always gets to win. Um, He's never been wrong. He's never let us down. He's eternally faithful. He always gets to win. And what, really, what is a Christian? at a basic fundamental level, a Christian is someone who believes the Bible is true. That's what a Christian is. And therefore you follow its implications and its applications. You, you simply believe the Bible is true. That's what sets you apart from all the other views that are out there. You simply believe the Bible. So enjoy your homework and spend time in the text, spend time walking through those questions. I know that it will be helpful to you, uh, because I've read it. I'm the one who created the handout for you, and I know it's good stuff. So I pray it's beneficial to you, and we'll continue next Sunday with the rest of the creation days. One, two, three, go team.